Welcome back for another episode of the AWG Podcast, where we discuss the biggest topics and trends in the water sport and boat tour industry. Make sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform and join our mailing list by visiting watersportpodcast.com. After you finish listening, continue the conversation in our Facebook group, Watersport and Boat Tour Operators. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. They come to relax. Enjoy the beach. Have fun and spend money. And that's where we come in. This is the Awkward Water Sport Guys podcast. Find out tips on the best ways to market and operate a water sports business. If you're a water sports operator, you need to grow your brand, operate more safely, upgrade your operations, and of course, increase bookings. We're industry veterans broadcasting from Destin, Florida. This is the Awkward Water Sport Guys podcast. And this is Kevin O'Neill and Greg Fisher. Did you see that article about Expedia, how they're closing all their concierge? Yeah, I did. We don't talk about news in in our shows lately. We haven't like brought up the new stuff. And then uh, Easy Ticks, the reservation system, they went bankrupt. And then held on to all the money too. Man, that's brutal. The way it's made it sound like in the thread that there was like the operators were on the hook for the for the refunds back to the customers. Yeah, because they weren't they didn't have a direct relationship with their processor. They it goes through easy ticks. Yeah, and that's I think that's how the other ones work. But I don't know. You know, COVID really woke my eyes up about processing in general and how this works. But you know, to circle back to Expedia, concierge desks were like a big thing or they are a big thing in Key West. They're not really a big thing here in Northwest Florida and most other locations. I wonder if this is kind of like a signal that maybe this this is a, a dying industry because of online and COVID people. What, what do you mean? Oh, like OTAs? Uh, concierge. Oh, concierge. Concierge, concierge desk. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't tell me that right now, man. <laughs> <laughs> don't say that to me. <laughs> we tried doing that at TripShock years ago. One, staffing it was a pain in the ass. But two, when you're only making 20 to 25% of the booking, it's very difficult to be profitable. And speaking of staffing, we're going to be talking about staffing today on the show. We have a really awesome guest, a good friend of mine, a longtime colleague, John Hall from Hall Consulting. I love the whole idea of putting a lot of effort on people because I I want to have great work-life balance. I want to have great culture. I want to enjoy coming to work on a Monday at 7 a.m. like most people probably don't. Like I I want that. Like I want to get done on my weekend and come to work because your work is like your second family. People don't realize you're with your work team probably more than than you are with your family. (laughs) So so I I treat it kind of as a family and and some of the stuff we talked about hit home. Kevin, like what what are your thoughts? You're listening to this and you are an entrepreneur that wants to scale. If you have a water sports company that you want more than just uh, you know five boats and a couple of jet skis and you want to expand and you want to grow. I mean, these are the kind of conversations that you want to be involved in because it's it's not the idea of like, well, you know, there's this fancy piece of software that doesn't apply to me that I can't afford right now. And that's fine and well, but you want to think about a future and a, and and scaling to a point to where you need something like that, where there are multi uh, there there are multi levels to your hiring process, and there are there are levels you actually have a copper uh, a, a corporate structured uh, management that I mean I, at least I do, and and I know for our industry a lot of people this is a lifestyle 
This is a lifestyle for them. But you, but 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 for some of us, there, there's a few of us that want to continue that lifestyle. But then to expand that quality and share that message and share your culture and grow your company with the world. Like I want to have a Destiny Water Adventures in in Destin and Fort Walton Beach. I also would like to have a Destiny Water Adventures in Key West. I'd like to have a Destiny Water Adventures in North Carolina. And I would like to be able to share. And and to the point, what we kind of got into in this episode a little bit was like, how do you motivate people? Well, if you want to have good people, there's got to be room for growth. And even if it's seasonal, there's got to be somewhere where they can grow. So if you're going to invest in in people, you have to have some type of, you know, there's got to be a carrot at the end of that stick. You know, there has to be something for them to be working toward achieving rather than just go, oh, well, at the end of my my tenure here, I'm going to go get a real job. This is this is this industry in order for it to grow. John was absolutely right. You have to invest in people. And in order for the industry to grow, the individual businesses have to grow and you have to have some some vision. And John really articulated that and and highlighted the vision of a lot of entrepreneurs that have been able to grow and have been able to scale. So I th- I find this I found this to be illuminating and and obviously just packed with a, a ton of valuable information. It was awesome. All right, well, why don't we get to the interview? Let's get awkward. All right, we're here with John Hall with Hall Consulting. John, welcome to the show. Thanks, Greg. Thanks. Greg. Excited to be here. Thank you. So, John, I always like to do, take a few moments to share a little bit about who you are and what you do. Who I am, what, what I do. Uh, well, uh, I hate the word consultant, number one. I just can't figure out another word to call myself. So I, I work with businesses in the area, local. Uh, they're, they're small to medium-sized businesses. I help them with all things business. For, you know, I'll just give you an example because it, it runs the gamut. So I've got uh, the golf area. Uh, over here in uh, Fort Walton Beach on Okaloosa Island, we're uh, we're building a, a twenty million dollar new dolphin habitat, and I'm leading the project uh, for that. Uh, building the team, uh, dealing with architects uh, day in and day out, and we start construction in about nine months. We're in construction documents right now, uh, so that's one hat. Uh, another hat is I've got a, a, a soap company called Naples Soap Company who's got 10 bricks and mortar stores and I run all of their e-commerce for them. Uh, so I build the teams and uh, coordinate uh, all of their digital strategies. Uh, so that, that's another hat. We've, we've taken them uh, two, for two years uh, from about $700,000 in sales up to close to $2 million. Uh, we'll hit $2.3 million actually this year when we finish out December. Uh, for the last 12 years, I've been involved with uh, a restaurant group out of Pensacola, the Great Southern Restaurant Group. They've got the Fish House. They've got Atlas Jackson's. Uh, they've got a new restaurant called Angelina's. We're about a $10 million restaurant group. I help, I help lead business development for them, uh, as well as golf area and business development for them as well. Took on a new client just uh, about nine months ago. It's a jewelry, wholesale jewelry, and we're um, helping lead up all the e-com for them. And it's all about building teams. So what I do is I create the conditions for for great things to happen. I kind of it's kind of like a like a Swiss Army knife, you know. The, you, you pull out the blade you need uh, when when when. And then I don't just consult. I roll up my sleeves. I stick with them, and and I get my hands dirty, and and we're doing the work together. So I hope that makes. Oh yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> well, John. Uh, we have you on the show today because just what you said, you have a lot of experience in people. A lot of the operators that we speak to tell us that hiring, inspiring, just managing in general is a huge burden. 
because we're in a position where we have to hire quick and the jobs don't last very long because it's very seasonal. So we're going to talk today um, about a, a myriad of things, but more specifically, you know, hiring seasonal jobs. And we go into, we'll go into a lot of uh, different things um, regarding that. But it's, I think we're really kind of focusing on just hiring seasonal talent, how to find them, how to inspire them, how to keep them, those types of things. So let's, uh, let's dive into it. It's hard. I mean, that's a tough subject. It really <laughs> is. And it's a great one. Uh, so many people struggle with it. So many business operators struggle with it, especially, uh, you know, we're all in the, uh, in the panhandle region. And I don't think we're, we're uh, the only ones. We're the only ones that have to deal with uh, a litany of uh, the Florida man that always show up to uh, apply for the jobs. You know, the, the Florida man, right? <laughs> The the floor, like the crazy Florida guys. Like, I mean, I I think that especially in this industry, when you're hiring for a seasonal job, you know, like, I think we're a very special area of the country as far as our, uh, the pool of, uh, of labor. So it's, yeah, it's, it's great to have you on the show because I know it's a, it's a constant struggle for, for all of us. So John, um, why don't you, uh, if you don't mind, um, you know, before we before we get into some of like the higher level stuff uh, that I, I'd like to dip into, um, some of your strategies for us lower level guys. You know, yeah. that, uh, <laughs> you know, five 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 six employees. You know, uh, small small business. You know, that are struggling sure. with this. How do we find how do we find the gold, man? Uh, well, you know, I'll start with search. You know, where are you where are you fishing? You know, there's there's the low hanging fruit, right? We've got Facebook, and by the way, Facebook works both ways. And if you're not going and looking at your applicants and their Facebook profile pages. <laughs> I have, I have seen some crazy things I'm getting ready to, uh, I've interviewed a candidate and everything, and then I'm almost ready to hire them. And then I, then I reverse engineer it and I go look at their profile. Yeah. Wow. It, it, it stopped me. In my tracks sometimes. <laughs> yeah. It's like blunt, it's like blunts and bitches. <laughs> like, well, did you really have that? I mean, you didn't even set it to private or something. Yeah. So I couldn't see that. You know, it's like, their their header page is them like breaking into somebody's house. You know, and, like, and, and we'll get into, wrong with you? I know we'll get into interviewing, but I mean it, it stopped it stopped me in my tracks. I'm I'm about to introduce this person into my team. Are you kidding me? You know, and they told yeah. me everything I wanted in the interview. They they presented exactly who they thought I wanted to see. And you know, we don't really see the real person in an interview. We'll uh, talk an- about I think, another thing I find is like a serial applicants like i've had people where i've run like multiple ads i mean like they either like ghosted me on uh the showing up for the interview or we we talked and realized it wasn't a good fit and it's like and i've had like where i've run i mean the same ad verbatim like five times Mm -hmm. and like like multiple people have done this where they were they respond to the ad and I'm just like, dude, do you not remember that we went through this <laughs> five months ago? You still don't have a job. Like, is this just something there. you do for kicks? You know what Been I mean? There. Like, oh, Been I just love filling times. out uh, Facebook applications. It's a hobby of mine. You know, yeah, I like as you, as you get them all coming in, you see them and you see that name and you go, how do I know that name? And then you, <laughs> you know, holy, holy, this is the fourth time this guy has applied. I mean, right. Yeah. Been there. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so, you know, the basics, uh, you know, it depends if you're hiring for line employees or management, there's two different, you know, different platforms. I like if I'm hiring a manager, you know, LinkedIn, 
I tell you what, there's a, a little strategy I do with LinkedIn uh, that that's helped me out a lot. Is I'll go I'll go on LinkedIn and I'll type in uh, let's say I'm hiring for a, you know a restaurant manager or a front you know a service manager, uh, and so I'll type in service manager, front of the house manager, or something like that, and I'll see anyone within my my uh, network that has that job, and I'll type them a quick message and I'll say, hey, we're hiring for this. Uh, if you know anybody who might fit this job description, and I'll give a little information about the job. Let me know, and I'll let I'll make sure they know you recommended them. So, what does it do? It not only is going to get them working for you a little bit, but I'll tell you what: about two out of every three I send that to want to know more about the job for themselves because they always think the grass is greener. So, so that kind of hunting, that kind of narrow type for managerial hunting, has really worked worked well for me. I use LinkedIn uh, for all, all my management positions, and mm-hmm. it's free, and you can find a lot of quality people and, and it's always better to find somebody who's working we know that right and i want to drop i want to drop my facebook hack and, and I, I mentioned in our pre-show and and i think i got this from um i think i got it from tim ferris who's like one of my favorite favorite people out there but when throwing something out on facebook like a real simple reply to uh, give them a very simple direction on how you want them to contact you or the next step in the job and if they can't like if they can't follow that direction yeah, you've already known that you're sort of starting off on the wrong foot. Like if you say contact me via email or give me a call and they circumvent that process and, and do something different, then, you, you know, you're, you're kind of like for, it's kind of like almost like, you know, showing up late for the interview sort of. Yeah, thing. Absolutely. So yeah, yeah, that's that's my one hack. That's I a mean, great, that's, great little trick. It is. I like it. Yeah, I love that. Indeed. Yeah. For we're still with kind of managers. Indeed is a great uh, and. and for like for the restaurant group, we've got the four restaurants. We have a continuous drip on Indeed, and I, I feed it about two hundred two hundred fifty dollars, you know, every month, and it just continually feeds and it gives me so many applicants so I can build my bench. Uh, so I because I, I never want to get caught without an applicant or without somebody that I'm looking at. So Indeed is a great tool for that. They also have great screening tools uh, that you can actually ask additional questions in addition to uh, their their application or their their resume. So that continuous drip Indeed uh, for for tight manager and even line employees Indeed will, is good for. I mean we do for the restaurants we do a whole gamut of them. Uh, you know from server to dishwasher and it's a it's amazing. I'll get. I don't know. We're in the Pensacola area. We'll get uh, with a $250 spend per month, probably 70, 80, 90 applicants. And, you know, a dozen of them are good. So that's great. That helps us keep our, our bench full. So, hey, can you can you go ahead and um, can you give a definition of line employees for our, for our listeners that, that hourly, don't hourly know employees. that technical jargon? Hourly. There you go. Yeah, hourly employees uh, versus your salaried employees. So yeah, those people. So, so like somebody that could be like, I don't want to be like rude, but like like somebody that's easily replaced or, or not something that's like I don't want to say easily replaced, but you know, entry a, a, entry a level like entry, entry level, level. Yeah, yeah, transitional. Yeah, Kevin just likes to like like the you know turn and burn them. I can tell. <laughs> wow. hey, oh man. Hey, it, hey John, what do you think about distribution sites like ZipRecruiter? We we subscribed to them a couple yes. years ago, and we had a lot of success because they reached so many different job sites. Love it. Uh, it's on my list. I, I use ZipRecruiter. Uh, if I don't, and I kind of start with a, 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 I first start on the low hanging fruit, you know, the LinkedIn's, the Facebook, the Indeed's. And then if I'm not getting what I want, then I'll, then I'll expand my net a little bit and I'll do the ZipRecruiter. And then, and then sometimes you need something technical though. So a more technical job. So whether you like, like a marketing uh, person or somebody to do stuff for your website, things like that. So you've got some of these sites out there like Upworks 
is a fantastic site. Uh, it's it just like it sounds, Upworks. You could find people to do gig work for yeah. you. Yeah, Fiverr. Fiver, yeah, uh, Market Hire is another one. And a new one I found, which I haven't tried yet, but I really want to. It's called Superside. These are these are very technically oriented type. Uh, you know, more like a scalpel. Uh, hey, let me let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, John. Since you, you mentioned up Upwork and Fiverr, have you ever um, outsourced any like freelance like marketing jobs or like SEO or, or content creation through any of those? I know mar- marketing oh, is one of the hats you wear. Probably about mm, eight nine times. Yeah, have you had any success with it? Yeah, great success. I've found two of my really good uh, uh, web designers on there. I've got, I've got a, a WordPress web designer and a, and a guy who's really technical, uh, who can do anything. He's built, uh, he's built two sites for me. I found him on Upwork. I found a lot. Yeah. I found an SEO guy on Upwork, Upwork. So that, that's where I go. I mean, and you can, you can interview him you, and they're, man, it, it's, it's, they've really made it easy. You yeah. Can, I'm, I'm starting to uh, jump into that pool myself. Mm-hmm. We, we, I've had, uh, I've, I've had a, um, a mark to, two separate marketing managers that handle two uh, different portions of our, our marketing. And uh, I've, I've kind of jumped because I'm like, I'm out there really expensive, but I'm like, I'm, I have some other projects going. So I was just wondering yeah. what, you know, kind of success you had. Cause I've been like looking in that pool now and I'm just like, you know, the it's last good. thing I want to do is hire somebody to go. It's like, Hey man, uh, you know, I got you a hundred thousand backlinks last night. And I'm like, wait a minute, what'd you do? <laughs> you know, right. oh, that's, all from porn sites, like oh yes. no! <laughs> <laughs> I Perfect. learned my SEO in two thousand and four. Uh, oh <laughs> shit! Yeah. So so John, we we talked about um, you know some great sites, and I hope everyone knows that we are going to put the stuff in the show notes, so you don't have to write them write them down right now and enjoy the rest of the show. But check back in with us uh, after right. after the show. We post it. There'll be there everything we talk about will be there for you. Right. Hey, Greg, last uh, last one though. Next. Oh. If you haven't used it, it's it's that new social site. It's actually doing really well. I've been selling a lot of stuff on it, like old sofas and stuff. So, What's it called? <laughs> Next door. Next. Oh yeah, no, I know Next, Next door. door. It's awesome. Yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, they're really doing a great job with it. Oh wow. yeah, yeah, that's right. Next next door is like, yeah. um, and then they have like even like sub communities in there, like specifically for your like where you specifically you live. Yeah, yeah it's super you can, cool. You can throw the net to the whole city. It's it's really great. A lot of great places to find people. I think, you know, we don't realize like there's a lot of out- good outlets on there that are free too. Why does it matter? You know, once we did the search and we, we, we got our applicants, why does it matter that we invest a lot of time into finding right. seasonal workers? Because seasonal workers are, they don't last long. So I guess the, the mindset is, do we just, do we spend a lot of time trying well, to find me, the right people? Yeah, or? let me let me ask you this: Why why does it matter? Okay, uh, what's what's the most important decision that you're ever going to make for a business? I mean, I I would Ooh, say your your people. That's that's who you bring into your company. Your call. I, when I I would say my culture is the most important thing. Why? Why? Because I I want retention. I want people to stay, and uh, I want to see people do well and increase their professional and personal wealth. Like that's yeah. important to me. Yeah, this is a this is the best one of the best quotes I've ever I've ever heard, uh, and, it, and it goes directly to your question. And I this has been in my I've carried this with me forever, and it's by Ray Kroc. You know who Ray Kroc is? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, founder of McDonald's. Well, you are <laughs> sort of a, sort of the founder. <laughs> are only as good as the people you hire. Well, you know, it's what's ironic is, and we see, we, so we use these uh, terms in marketing all the time, like attribution, retention, 
you know, cost of attribution, cost of retention. And, and to put it in that context of, you know, looking at your employees the same way, like there is a huge, huge cost. And I don't, and I don't think most, most business owners, most business owners uh, understand that to wit, I, you know, I worked for a guy for a long time who felt like our, our mates were the mates that were on our boats were just, they were, they were worthless. You know, you find a kid, he can, absolutely. I, I mean, without a doubt. And, and his captain, you know, I, you don't, we don't hire mates, we hire captains. So you want to have a mate that wants to become a captain. So basically, you know, you treat this kid like, and he would say, you know, there are a dime a dozen, you can find any of them on the street. Well, us as captains knew that that was emphatically not true. You be, you create a bond with your mate. You're on this boat for 12 hours with this guy. I mean, you can go the entire day. Once you have a great mate without even speaking to him, you're like a fine tuned machine. And that's dream teams. What's that? We call them dream teams. That's when, that's when, that's right. That's yeah. right. And 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 as the as the manager, you know, I always I always had the best mates. I mean, I I sh- I didn't want uh, I didn't want our team being disenfranchised either. So, but I, when I had my mate, he was my he was my main guy. He was with me every single day. And and the owner, he just he just didn't understand that. All he saw at the end of the day was how much he paid somebody to strap in a harness. But it was like, man, a great mate uh, facilitated. Uh, a better experience for the customers. Uh, it, it, it made uh, the transition from boat to boat. Like it was able, you know, I, I remember having a mate at the end of a day and, and he didn't feel like he did the best job selling pictures and making great tips because we ended up flying 130 people or something like that, which these are astronomical numbers in the world of parasail. And I said, listen, Miles, d- don't worry about it. First of all, we had a great day money-wise, but secondly, we got the job done. We got everyone flown. Everyone came back in one piece. Everyone was given high fives. And I could have never done that without the job that you did today. You know, I really appreciate it. And, and, and again, it's like to, to look at just a, see an employee as a bottom line. You know, you put so much effort and so much time and, and money, frankly, into that person to just go, oh, well, who cares? You know, he's disenfranchised. He's going to leave. We can just get another, I guess, you know, line employee tomorrow that'll just replace him. Like, no, man, like, no, I, I can't do another 40 rides with, with somebody like that. And that's 50 bucks a person. That's two grand. So that little whatever man. that you feel that you spent on that employee is like just costs us minimally in one day, $2,000. So yeah, it's huge. Yeah. The cost, the cost is, is, is substantial for turn. I mean, and the energy spent in, in that turnover is, is huge. Yeah, that labor cost, you know, the, just the lack of customer service is going to happen from having an untrained employee, especially Correct. since you have such a small window to make it happen. Getting that, you don't have a second chance in a seasonal market to, to, to turn over people. That's, I mean, that's the kiss of death in a, in yep. a sense. And, and, you know, uh, you know, as a side note, if, if you're in that mindset, where that you think people are dispensable and that you could just turn and burn them like that and you don't care about the cost. You know, if you don't have a good hiring practice or a good people strategy, you've got to have a good process and a good platform. I think that's a test, like everything that you're talking about. And and, and like, again, you, you, you work with a, a higher, you know, you're, you're working with a much uh, at a higher level, at a, at the corporate level, and and Greg, you know, Greg going, Greg's seen the whole thing. He went from being a a, a solo entrepreneur to you know Chip Shock, which is now like you know a, a, operating at this at this high level. And I think with water sports in ge- specifically, because there are so many small mom and pop shops, that's why it's so hard 
for so many of them to actually scale because it's this, I, I'm going to step over a dollar to pick up a dime type of mentality at the end of the line. So it's like, well, what's the cost? What's the bottom line? Like, well, I'm not going to delegate that because I could just go do it myself till three o'clock in the morning. Well, it's, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and a lot of these business owners, and I, I hear it on the marketing side all the time because I, I do a little bit of de facto consultancy, just more or less uh, helping people out when they ask me questions. And it's a, the pushback you get, even just from spending money on marketing, let alone spending money, you know, like, oh, no, man, I'm going to get this. I got this guy for 10 bucks an hour. That's like their big like claim to fame. And it's like, look at him, dude. He's got his pants on backwards. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what did you get for 10 bucks an hour, man? I could bring my 12-year-old in and do, and do better for you than that. So it's being able to see the, uh, I think, the, the long game in this. And, and, it, and that's the difference between a business owner and an entrepreneur. That's right. I mean, yeah. great, you know, good, you know, everybody has a financial strategy, right? You've got a marketing strategy, Right. You've got a business strategy. When you got into business, Kevin, Greg, you guys had a business strategy. Right. But but yeah. very few businesses have a people strategy. Yeah. And that's where investing in search and selection and the onboarding process and the training, the coaching, the inspiring, it pays off in buckets. It, it really does. Just think about the time when you did have that dream team, how well that year went or that season went. Oh man! Freed up your time to actually, and at at the end of that dream team season, you're going, man, I could do this again. I could, I could open another, uh, probably another store, another city. What would you say with operators that have to hire really quick? I mean, it's, it's so for example, let's say that right before the season starts, right. You, you lose a couple key people and you have to get someone in there immediately and you don't have the time to, to do a a, a comprehensive search. You're basically going to find that guy with the stained shirt off the street yeah. and say, Hey, can Big you, <laughs> you understand the situation? I mean, walk us through like what would you would do in that situation? Uh, well, first I, I, I would, you know, if first I'd look in the mirror, honestly, and I'd ask myself how this happened. Uh, yeah. I mean, people don't leave jobs. They leave people. Okay. People don't leave jobs. They leave managers. That's, that's critical. So, you know, it's, it's my job as a manager to adapt and meet the needs of, of my employees not the other way around. And once you met those needs of your employees, then they give you what I call discretionary effort. It's that you get that baseline of, you know, just that minimum requirements of the job that they do just barely to get by. Whether there's a big gap between maximum effort and that what that minimum effort is. So that discretionary effort is what I call it. And, and so, and then the manager or the owner is the number one factor influencing that. So I would look in and say, why am I have to hire so quick? What, what's wrong with my process? What's wrong with my selection? What's wrong with my onboarding, my training? Why are they leaving me? I've got to fix that or I'm going to keep spinning my wheels. So that's the first thing yeah. I do. And then, you know, so I, I'd look to see how I failed not to, to meet their needs. And then I look at myself. So, you know, so, listen, self-awareness is the number one predictor of a manager's success. Self-awareness, knowing how you interact with, with your, your employees and being self-aware. Young managers are not self-aware. You know, they're, they, you know, typically really rough around the edges with other people. They just don't know how to do it. So and then if I have to hire really, really fast, hopefully I've, done, I, I've got my search drip feed going and I'm going to go to my bench. I'm going to go to my bench of the people that are uh, on a clipboard with their applications hanging there. And I know who I'm going to call first, second and third. And if I don't have a bench 
then I'm, then I'm a fucking idiot. So, 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 John, so basically somebody you... that swears on the show besides me. <laughs> Thank Christ. Chance finds the prepared mind. I, I read that in a fortune cookie. Think about it. Chance finds it. I'm, I'm not going to wait for somebody to, to, to walk in my door and just by chance, I've got to prepare. So basically what, what you're saying is, like you said before, have always be hiring. Always you be know, hiring. Always, always, always have jobs available because you need to go to your bench when you need to. I think that's an incredible thing. Recruit, recruit, recruit. Always. Here's, you know, I've been being in the restaurant business for a long, long time. Uh, I would always have business cards on me. And if any server ever gave me really good service, I would say, hey, you know, we're, we're always hiring over at the, the fish house. If you uh, ever want to, if, if something happens over here, uh, we loved your service. You were awesome. Just just give me a call. Text me and and we'll and we'll make it happen for you. I'd like to talk about this, the predictive index program that you're involved with and uh, a sure. little bit more about that. And then also like how you can maybe sort of like, uh, like make that into like a manual process with, you know, like how, how you could like put that down on paper if you can't afford the program itself. I think we need to talk about some of the pain points first before we get into that, because the predict, well, he mentioned the, you mentioned the predictive index, both Greg and I use it. We use it for all of our clients. Uh, it's basically about Finding job fit is what it is. So, right. uh, you know, there's predictors of success. And our job as when we hire people and we bring them onto our teams and our organizations is to be able to predict their success. And what predictive index, hence the name predictive index, is it gives us a tool to, to create job fit between the natural basic traits of a person and the traits that are required of a job, and it overlays them. So if we can get job fit, number one reason people leave jobs as managers, and the second is poor job fit. In other words, they don't. You know, you're going to put you're going to put a customer service rep in front of uh, your window to talk to customers, but they are introverted or lack extroversion. Well, you've made a big mistake because Betty showed you that she was a people person in the interview, and you put her in front of there, and she is. She, she's totally not a people person, but, you know, most people show us what they want to see in an interview. So having a tool in which we have today, there's assessment tools out there. Predictive index is one of the best out there that I've ever seen. And it, it shows me job fit. And that's that's critical to success. It's a better predictor of success than 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 experience. It's a better predictor of success than reference checks. Uh, anything. It, uh, it, it, it's 50. Uh, the stats they have and they do test after test, survey after survey is it's 54 percent more predictive of, uh, uh, of success of a, an employee if you give them some type of assessment or test before they get the job. And that's what this does. Uh, but we can get we can get into that uh, later. But, uh, you know, I'm going to circle back to Greg's question, though. He said, you know, you know, what do you do in tough markets? When, you know, you got to, and I think Destin, our market is a tough market to hire for. You guys agree? Oh, Man, absolutely. It's, it's so hard. I mean, it's good. We've got a population of 20,000 people in Destin and uh, we've got, you know, over four and a half million visitors per year. That's a tough market to staff for. And uh, I know people use the, uh, the overseas markets uh, for, uh, you. Uh, do you use those, Greg? No. No, you don't. Kevin, do you, got, you use any? Foreign? No, no. I'm, I'm, <laughs> a, I'm drawing a blank on what do you call them? Um, J1. J1. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, I was going to say Q1s. K1s. Yeah. No, the only the only thing I've I've looked into is possibly like a VA or something like that. And I'm, yeah. I'm 
not skeptical, but it's just like you got to find the right virtual assistant. That's the only I, I, I yeah, I, I mean, man, I would I, I have enough problems trying to understand like uh, the, the or my customers have enough. Uh, or my employees rather have enough trouble speaking English as, as their first language, let alone <laughs> trying right. to find somebody as their second, you know, I'm terrible. I'm, I'm horrible about my guys. I got and one of them is in my house right now. I called him last minute because one of my other guys, like I'm trying to get this uh, room done in uh, my room, uh, back room done. I have some guests coming. So I've been trying to get this last room in my home done. I give the kid five minutes heads up. Hey, can you come out? And it's not even his job description. Can you paint my room and lay some flooring for me? Yeah, I'll be there in 10 minutes and just leaves it. So I, I'm really hard on my guys, but they're the two or three of them that are come back every year are some of the best in the world. So if they do listen to this, they're like, ah, damn it. Kevin's breaking our balls again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had, uh, I had, I had our director of operations for our restaurant group call and we were talking about, you know, cause he's, he's having people schedule interviews with him and not show up. You know, after he's yeah. talked to him on the phone. So it's a it's a tough market. So, you know, one of the things that I told him, I said, when you get that call or you get that application or you get that email immediately, as soon as you get it, call him, pick up the phone and reach out and contact. Um, just oh, like that. <laughs> I am so sorry about that. <laughs> the, I, I um, moved my I moved my call center and like we just I get like one or two calls a day and uh, I just didn't want to go down to our little office anymore. So I just put the. Uh, the the phones in my main office. Well, you know, mo- <laughs> you know, most most people listening will believe that that was like one like a soundbite or something because <laughs> it was perfectly timed. That was. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, get on the phone and call them, guys. That's that's important. I mean, if you wait, I, I guarantee if you wait, you're gonna your chances uh, exponentially go down because uh, they're out there searching. It's so easy to get online and apply for a job. They're just going click, 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 click. And so you've got to reach out and, 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 and talk to them. You know, John, when we hire in the middle of summer for our um, entry-level positions, which is usually our, our call center, we, we try to cast an extremely wide net. Yep. So we, we use like ZipRecruiter, even though you pay, but they distribute it to all these different websites. We go to Craigslist and we do exactly what you say. We need to hire them really fast. We don't mess around. We, we get them in, we have, we have, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we make them take the predictive index test. We figure, figure out their job fit. We're calling them. We're doing it really fast. You've got to fast track them, fast track them on. And, you know, obviously some, some people might not have a few hundred dollars to go and do the, uh, zip grader. but heck, if, if you were hiring really fast, that means that you're busy. Uh, you gotta, you gotta just bite the bullet and spend the money and don't, don't go to, you know, all the companies are going to Craigslist and Facebook. There's a lot of competition. Spend some money, cast the net as wide as you can. Because so right. we, we always found people in the middle of July. They're there. It's just you got to look harder. What's, uh, you know, the, the other thing is I, I went back and I looked at the ads he was running, you know, uh, and whew, boring. Oh, my God. It, you know, so you've got to sell yourself. You've got to add some spark to that that ad, and it's got to stand out. You know, what's your value proposition? What What's the benefits of working for your company? You've got to stand out. You've got to, and you've really got to, you know, maybe it's a conversational type language instead of looking like a, uh, like a, a one ad, you know, now hiring really no shit. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. It's, it's yeah. like, it's, it's tough. I think about, I think about that like all the time, man. Like when I'm, when I'm crafting, like 
I have got no problem writing ad copy, man. Like I can sit down and just like I can crush like a press release. Or, That's what needs you know, to come our, through, though, in your ads yeah. for you're, you're advertising for employment. You yeah, know? man. Well, you just inspired me. I'm gonna do like <laughs> the next the next ad I run. Uh, it's got, and I swear to God, I'm gonna do it, man. It's gonna be. Uh, I don't know. Greg might be too young. John, I, th- I think you're. I think you're. We're maybe closer to the same age. I mean, how old are you, John? Forty. Yeah. Forties. Uh, yeah, well, so 56, yeah. 50, 56. So yeah, you're in your forties basically. Same thing. <laughs> yeah, so, then, so then, so then you definitely remember fast times at Ridgemont uh, high. Right. Okay. I'm going to do Spicoli and like with the, I think it was like, Hey buds, let's party. And he's got like the surfboard <laughs> and the, and the yeah, got under his eyes. Set of tools. And I'm just going to be like, is this you? You're hired. <laughs> mm-hmm. I th- well, I think you got to have fun with it too. Like you're, you're exactly right. So you you have to speak to that demographic, especially in our market. Like part of the right. p- part of the appeal to what it is that we do is that there's fucking hot girls in bikinis on boats. Like you're out in the sun. <laughs> you're riding jet skis. Like don't. Hey man, don't. How much does it pay? I don't know. You tell me because you're going to be paying me at the end of the week because this job's so fucking awesome, man. (laughs) (laughs) And and, and it's, and it's really true. And it's like, you're right, man. Like I, I do. I like, like destiny water adventures is now hiring for uh, 2021 season, but it's like, no, man, you're, you're a hundred percent right. Like, like our culture is fun. It can be violent if you piss me off, you know, it's like, (laughs) well, that's that's what trans have got to say. You know, we say in the, I I changed the last line in our ad for the restaurant group. I said, you know, get in, work hard, no suits, no politics. You know, you know what what questions I get asked a lot at trip shock is college recruiting. I get that. I get that question a lot. You know, do we, do we recruit to colleges? Do you have any experience with that, John? For seasonal? Uh, so when I was running, uh, Bruce Crowell and I were uh, running Harbor Walk and Emerald Grand. Uh, for those of your listeners who don't know what that is, Harbor Walk is a about 120,000 square foot multi-use property with lots of water sports in it. We had tons of uh, over 70 jet skis, 40 pontoons, pirate ships, jet boats, uh, and, uh, and, a, and a big fishing fleet. And we would uh, go to Florida State and uh, we would do internships. So they would come and they would, uh, on a certain weekend, and uh, probably, you know, 20, 30 of them would come to the Emerald Grand, and, and it's part of an internship, and, so, and it's a paid internship, and we we got them, so it's part of their grade. So we, we, we would uh, call down there to the, uh, and coordinate with the internship coordinator at the college, and uh, set the date, and they would then email them all, and we just had these, these great college kids show up, and we get to take our pick. We'd give them all PIs, and uh, and then we would have their PI and their their resume in front of us, and they would depending on the department they wanted to work, uh, they would line up and we would do mass interviews. So and it worked out well. And and they're kind of locked in because their grades dependent on it. Yeah, those are some really good tips for hiring fast. Yeah, I, mean, this is, this I, I think that's yeah. I think it's a lot more than I, I was expecting. But uh, really, what I'm hearing is act fast. Cast a wide act net, fast, act you fast. Know, you got that. I mean, that's, that, that is critical, a- acting fast. It really is. You know, study your competition. Find out what they're doing. You know, see, see what the water sports company down the road is offering. What are their perks? What is it, what is the job, what's the value proposition look like for, an, for a new employee? What's their onboarding look like? Mm-hmm. How long have they had their employees? You know, do some research. Find out. You got to be competitive. Well, so John- well, Florida just switched up to, uh, you know, and by 2026, we're going to, we're going to be paying these guys 15 bucks an hour, man. Uh, yep. 
Oh my god, dude! And I can't wait to hear because I see some of these things like on the uh, on the on some of the uh, like the buy sell groups or the you know jobs on job groups hiring whatever on uh, on Facebook, and, and some of these people have like zero marketable skills, like no education. And it's like somebody's hiring for an entry level position at like 13 bucks an hour. Like, Oh, 13 bucks an hour. And already you can already see like the minimum wage is 15. Like, uh, well, first of all, no, not yet. It's not, but it's like, I can, I can only imagine like, you know, like where you're just paying minimum wage. And then I got to show my age, like, Hey kid in my day, in 2020, minimum wage was eight bucks an hour, dude. So I mean, hell, let me know if you're hiring, buddy. I'll take that job. Yeah. It's unbelievable, it's, but that's a, that's gonna that's crushing restaurants right now. We 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 tried to fight that so hard within the Florida Restaurant Lodging Association, and it's it's uh, yeah, it's, it's really it's, it's it's gonna roll right back up to uh, now. Uh, all of our dining out experiences have just gone up 25 percent. And well, and tell me this then. So, is that going to be for your wait staff too? Yep. Fifteen bucks yeah. an hour plus tips. Yeah, I mean, it, oh, in California, they, you know, they're I'm trying. They, the there's no tipping in California as a result of this. The, the management manages it. It's 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 a it's a restaurant killer if you don't adapt. And so prices are going up, guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Everybody would be pretty excited about their fifteen dollars an hour, and so they got to go get a nine dollar gallon of milk. You got it. That's exactly right. You and you know it. what? Uh, most of the people that are excited. Most of the people that are in those entry level jobs that are get, they're going to be getting paid fifteen bucks. They're the ones that are going out to eat probably the most. So it's yeah. it's so counter counterproductive. But uh, John, let's let's go back. Uh, you know, we talked about the the PI software and and how it worked and ways that you know obviously the the software is very expensive. Not many small businesses can afford it. But what are some some things that they can do that can mimic the software? Uh, that are more manual based that that can yeah. still give it, have an impact. Yeah, I mean, you, you really, I mean, it's a, it's an assessment tool. So you've got to you've got to assess the job and you've got to assess the person. I hate to hate to say this, but there's really not a lot. There's testing out there. Like Indeed has series of questions you can ask them to hopefully narrow down the, a better predictor of success and if there's a better job fit. But unless you get down to the core of the natural basic self of a person, you know how much. How much dominance they have, how much extroversion they have, how much patience or pace do they have? Are they detailed? Are they flexible? Are they precise? Uh, because all of the, all of your jobs require a certain level of of those things in 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 uh, reference to each other. So uh, unless you really have a, an assessment tool, you're you're gonna you're gonna be handicapped uh, against those who do. You know, I. I you know, Greg, like I helped you. I mean, I'll, I'll, anyone who wants to call me, I'll, I'll, if they've got a manager they're going to hire, I'll send them the assessment. We'll get on the phone call and I'll tell you whether or not it's a good fit for that particular job. And and we did that several times, Greg, didn't we? Yeah, sure did. Yeah. I mean, we, we went through uh, several of your people and I said, yeah, when we walk through the assessment tool and we're able to do that, but you know, a lot of companies, a lot of people, a lot of young managers just make a lot of hiring mistakes. You know, so I, I think our industry hires from like I mean, and I'm sure it's it's it, again like uh, with with water sports, it's mostly line level. You know, when 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 you're when you talk about people that are are like salaried and I mean, there's very few and far between like water sports managers. I, I, again, this is mostly uh, uh, Gino Wickman, and we talked about it a little bit uh, last time we spoke, John. But he wrote this book called Traction, 
And it was uh, something I didn't bring up, but he talked about um, like partnerships. So it's like something like a business uh, and it's uh, a startup has like a, a 60% chance, uh, higher success rate. Those started by partners that possess two different qualities. So, you know, realistically, you do have to look uh, depending on what levels in your group of management that you have. But for, say, for ex- example, uh, someone like myself, where my manager is almost going to be a de facto partner in my business. I mean, he's got the highest paid salaried worker, that, the only salaried worker, the highest paid worker. In that relationship, and going back, say, if, if you actually do have a business partner, well, you have to have a visionary and then somebody that can implement uh, generally, and, and, and I'm sure PI uh, would, would, would probably back up this assertion as well, but that you have so like, I am great at, at doing big picture stuff. Like I am, I am great at, at getting in the weeds on the stuff that I love implementing our marketing strategies. I'm, I'm a very creative type person. Now, when you tell me like, Hey, Kevin, you need to go out and, you know, pull all F off every engine and, and, and pull apart the, all these parts. I'm like, oh, man, that sounds terrible. So, like, right. I'm, I'm really bad at implementing. So, so, um, so, so the job of the interview process is to, to narrow down those traits of that person, right? And so without an yeah. assessment tool, it's difficult. But there, there are ways to do it. I mean, it, it, you know, we can talk about the, you know, a lot of the mistakes that I've made over the years. In, I mean, I've interviewed and hired thousands of people, literally. And, uh, you know, one of the biggest mistakes, you know, some of the basic ones, warm body. Putting yeah. a warm body in there. I mean, the, the cost of putting a warm body in uh, in a seasonal market it can be devastating. It could. It, I mean, it's like flipping a coin. Uh, so, well, luck, luckily for us, I mean, I would I would put Tom through uh, the uh, predictive index, but this guy sold his house and moved down here, and I mean, he already had a good job and took a pay cut to be a part of something that he felt inspired by, and, and uh, I'm I'm this is our first hire that I'm doing at this level, so I'm I'm pretty excited about it. I don't know what more of a test that you could possibly do than that. Like I'm selling my house and relocating to another state that I've never been to to help grow this thing because I'm so excited about your ideas. Like that That's feels awesome. like a it feels but like a plan, what? dog. So. Yeah, you know, there's a great study at Harvard that uh, said uh, that your job experience and, uh, you know, you're looking at somebody's past experience is is about a 7% predictor of success. You know what the number one predictor of success is? Attitude. Yeah. Attitude. 93% predictor of success is a good attitude toward work, being open, open for change. And it's not, and yeah. it's looking, you know, not only looking for, you know, that drive and, you know, that drive and vision in somebody. Like, you know, given, you know, selling his house, but it's, you know, it's the energy. It's so more important than a shiny resume. You know, what I find yeah. really helpful in our companies is, is objectiveness is, and also people that are willing to talk things out and negotiate fairly. Mm-hmm. Like those, those are just so, so important. And, and that really goes back to attitude. There's people mm-hmm. that I'm not going to do anything other than this way. Or if you are going to be that way, you better have a damn good reason why they, I, I, arbitrary notions do not have any place in companies unless you're unless you're the the top dog you're the visionary <laughs> so because uh, mm-hmm. there's some level of of risk and gut that make the best entrepreneurs but in an organization uh, you're not going to win the hearts and minds of your employees by constantly being subjective because they're going to want to have a say in things too and if, if if it's always your way or the highway you just you build a bad culture Terrible culture, not managing to the needs of your employees, you know, so that's, that's, that's critical. And that uh, kind of goes into our discussion about, you know, what do we do to inspire 
you know, seasonal workers, right? They're, they're going to leave. They got to go back to college or they're going to lose their hours. Why inspire them? Why invest in inspiring them? Oh, my God. Um, Bring them back. Well, well that, but they're going to give you discretional effort. Discretional effort. I can't say that enough. And and it's that, that you know, you've always said you've had that employee that just gets by, right? Just as enough so he doesn't get fired, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but you the inspire part of it, that when you're actually have job fit, think about a job you've had where it fit well. It, you know, you don't go home tired. You're energized at the end of the day. You still feel good. Uh, they're going to give you that that and with your customers, with the other employees, with you as their manager. They're going to give you that discretionary effort that, you know, that's, you know, so that's why you inspire. But, it, you know, how do you do it? You know, well, seasonally, you know, we just try and keep it fun. I mean, seriously, keep it fun. Share wins, you know, the success, share success stories. When you hire, hire poor workers, a lot of times you think of, well, it's that worker's the problem. And, yep. you know, that's it. But really that worker is a bad worker is a toxic worker that infiltrates your entire company. Then your good employees are upset at you, the management, because you are not taking action. So this bad employee causes so much grief. It causes lost productivity. It kills your culture. I mean, they can destroy your company. Here's how it happens, Greg. So you have three types of employees. You have low performers, middle performers and high performers. Okay. So when you have a low performer, what does it do to the middle performer? It pulls them to their level because what you permit, you promote. What does it do to the high? What do high performers do when there's a culture of low performance? They leave. So you're right. You're absolutely right. They are toxic. They will pull down your middle performers and they will cause your high performers to leave. Absolutely. Absolutely. We had, I know again, to wit, I I had a guy and he was, we just worked together. But the, the management trusted my position, and I had actually moved up ahead of him as far as like becoming a, a manager and, and the head captain of our organization. But he was a great captain. He could get the rides done, but he absolutely was had the worst attitude. And it brought down my mates after flying with him or two days of being with him. They come in. And they were just like, and, and, and historically good mates, happy, excited to be there. And they come back and they admired that attitude. And when they, and when he had left to go pursue something else, and then he wanted to come back, he was absolutely toxic. Like mm. he, he came in and he he put it on everybody. He badmouthed the customers. He badmouthed the ownership. He badmouthed <laughs> the job. It never stopped. And so when it came down to management and, and my uh, upper manager and myself, we were both vehemently against the owner who said he's and, – and, and I said, I said, brother, you are – I love you, but you're a cancer. It's like the only reason you're coming back is because you realize how easy the job was and how much money you were making. And that's the only, like, that's the only quality like, that you care about. But other than that, you're, 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 making, you're making everybody hate their life. And they, they, it's not even that they dislike you. You're just rubbing off on them. And, and that can be so pervasive. So that, you know, as anecdotally speaking, yeah, it's just absolutely it, correct. It yeah. So Greg, back to your question about, you know, what do you, how do you inspire seasonal workers? You know, the, you know, this temporary, this low pay type worker that, uh, you know, is, is seems uninspirable. You know, one of the things that we do at the restaurant, we, we, we have, of course, a lot of line level employees at restaurants and uh, we do a 30, 60 day conversation with them. We actually schedule them in. 
and we uh, we say, okay, you know, uh, you know, Sally, uh, at two o'clock on Thursday, I'd like to sit down with you for thirty minutes and have a conversation. It's not a job review. It's not a performance review. It's not a wage review. It's simply a conversation. We ask them. Uh, we ask them just five five questions, and those five questions uh, are are proven to uh, to reduce to reduce turnover. Greg, I think we've talked about this, and you have something something similar. Some of the questions that we ask them, you know, the same five. We ask them the five in 30 days and five in, in 60 days. And we have the same conversation. We say, you know, how do we compare with what we said we'd be like? Really important because we sold them. We sold them sunshine. We told them what the job, how good it is, how awesome it is to work for us. Well, we're going to do a 30-day check and make sure what we said it was going to be like and it didn't meet their expectations. Great question. Tell me what, tell me what you like. What's going well? Fantastic. Well, you're gonna. It'll open up a series of conversations that are in the positive. Great, great question to ask at a, at a quick conversation. Which employees have been helpful to you? Who Who do we need to recognize? That's a twofer right there because it, you're what you're doing is you're uh, you're managing. They're they're managing up, and they're mm-hmm. able to. Um, and then you're able to go recognize that person for for helping out your new employee during their their onboarding. Real powerful. And say, hey, I noticed you came from. You know, Billy Bob's Water Sports. Uh, are there any things that, that they did over there that might be helpful to us over here? Asking for their input. Inclusion is huge. Uh, being part of that team, being, being uh, you know, the millennials really want to know that they're making a difference. Number one for millennial retention. If you've ever done any any reading or listen to any uh, podcasts on, on millennials. So, you know, I noticed you came from ABC. Is there anything they do over there that 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 we should be doing? And then the last question is, there is there any reason you would think of leaving us? Get right to the heart of it. And boy, that that really is is a great set of questions. Ask those questions and then ask them again in 60 or 90 days. And retention goes up. Turnover goes down. And it's an amazing. So it's just little things like that that that, that can really help. Well, hey, John, we're um, kind of getting to time, and I have one question for you. Uh-oh. We we like to ask our interviewers what their most awkward moment is, and we're going to f- stay on this topic of HR. Oh. I want you to take a moment to think of your awkward hiring moment and share that with us. Awkward hiring moment? Uh, see, I've got... All right, so I was... Uh, well, you know, one of the most awkward moments was at the beginning of this year... Uh, or at last Christmas, I gave out 2020 planners to everybody. That was a real joke. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good. Uh, so now um, we were hiring. Uh, so I, when I was in my 20s, uh, we were hiring for uh, the largest nightclub in Washington, D.C. I was actually the general manager of this club. The same people that designed Studio 54 and Area designed this club. And it was... Uh, uh, so I got hired at was about 25, 26 years old and we were doing, <laughs> we're doing like these, these group interviews and we were hiring for, uh, uh, security at the time. And on this guy's, you know, how you have more skills a little on the, on the, on their application, you know, what else, you know, the additional skills you've got. This guy, <laughs> this guy actually wrote in his, uh, thing that you can, uh, uh, rip out a man's heart from his chest. You know? <laughs> While it's still beating. Oh my God! Did you hire him on the spot? I would. I would have. I'd have been like, like, "Oh my God!" All I can say is like, you know, what was that Stripes movie with Francis? I, you know, (laughs) settle down, Francis. (laughs) 
god, I that's us uh, incredible. <laughs> I would have hired that guy, man. They look right? fucking awesome. Hell yeah, I mean, dude. The shit oh, people oh, will will write on on the you know. <laughs> I just ripped his heart out of his chest while it was still beating. Oh my god, that's good. That's, yeah, good. that's that is really good. I'm gonna I'm gonna use that for the teaser of the show. God, that is so funny. <laughs> All right, John. Well, thanks for coming on the show. This was a uh, very colorful, as always. Uh, we have the, we do have the best interviews, I I think. Uh, but how can uh, people? learn more about you and PI and just send me a text, shoot me a text, uh, 850-585-4051. Real simple. Great. And, and, and anyone who does, I'll just bill Greg and Kevin. So you guys. (laughs) Perfect. Yeah. You start, you start, you start with Greg, buddy. (laughs) And John, 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 you're in our Facebook group too. I did. I just joined. Okay, cool. All right. Well, people, people can, uh, can mention you and and we can get on the conversation. I'm sure when we um, add the episode, we'll be able to uh, uh, share a lot of different stories. I think that's actually that's the first thread that we have to have is uh, you know your worst hiring stories. I don't know if 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 there's any legal ramifications to that, but I guess no. we don't use names. Then it's all good, right? But, right, we'll, change, but yeah. right. we'll protect yeah. the innocent. Um, but that wait, that would be an awesome thread. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm sure I'm sure the 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 uh, the, the the guy that that came to uh, Destiny for a job that said he was going to be ten minutes late every day because he had to go to a fucking methadone clinic probably not going to be hiring counsel anytime <laughs> soon. Right, I think that was the top <laughs> stories right there. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, well, well, yeah, it was great meeting you, John, and and man, a great, great episode, and it's awesome always talking to you. I, I do I do feel at the end of this show that that. Uh, uh, a bill probably wouldn't be the worst idea because I, I sure as hell learned. I, I, I learned a lot, man. But just so you know, your payment will be next to that guy's paycheck at the bottom Perfect. of the water. <laughs> and with that said, folks, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in and keep it awkward. You've been listening to the Awkward Water Sport Guys podcast. If you're in the water sport industry, this is the podcast that brings the business perspective to parasailing, jet and ski boat rentals, sailing, snorkeling, and everything else. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. Be sure to sign up to our email list at watersportpodcast.com and subscribe in your favorite podcast app. We'll see you next time. And thanks for listening. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. If you haven't done so already, please take a moment to subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcasting platform. And if you have further thoughts, questions, or comments about this episode, head to our Facebook group, Watersport and Boat Tour Operators, to continue the conversation. See you next time.